Okay, we are going to continue our study on the foundation of our faith, uh, Bible doctrines, what we believe, why we believe it, where it's taught in the Bible, okay? Let's begin today and uh, have a word of prayer before we start, all right? Heavenly Father, thank you, first of all, for allowing us the privilege to be able to gather together and study your word. We also want to thank you for giving us the scripture, the Bible, and in it is contained everything that we need for life, as we learned from Second Peter last week. Father, as we study theology or the study of you, teach us and help us to grow in our knowledge of you so that we can be as effective as possible in fulfilling your plan for our life. We also acknowledge that we need the Holy Spirit to give us understanding and to teach us. So I pray that he will do that this morning as we read your word. Father, thank you again for our class, for every person that's a part of it. Just for the encouragement it is to be able to come together every week and fellowship and learn and just be together. Father, I ask that you'll give us a special time now as we study the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, look at Ephesians chapter 4. If you need a piece of paper, by the way. Hold your hand up, and Jonathan's got some. Okay, just keep your hands up for a minute. And uh, while he's doing that, we're going to start with Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says this beginning in verse number 11. It was he, God, who gave some to be apostles, and some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Why is it important that we study theology. Well, Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, I believe gives us five very important reasons in these verses why it's important as believers that we study theology. Now, before we get into that, first of all, let's go back to last week and let's just review quickly what is theology. When we talk about that, what are we talking about? Theology comes from two words, theos and ology, that simply means the study of God. So all theology is, is studying God. Everybody has a theology. Everybody. Atheists have one. Agnostics have one. Buddhists have one. Christians have one. We all have what we believe about God. As we study God, either I'm an atheist and I do not believe he exists, I'm an agnostic, and I believe there is a supreme being, but you can't know him. 
I'm a Buddhist and I believe Buddha is the one that represents God. Or I'm a Christian and I believe that Jehovah God, the creator of the universe as taught in the scripture, is the one and only God. So everybody has their own theology, what they believe about God. Now, the other thing we learn is that theology answers a very important question for us. And that question is simply this. What does the Bible teach about any specific topic? That is theology, because whatever the Bible teaches about any specific topic reveals to us the mind of God about that topic. And so if theology is the study of God, it encompasses everything about God, not only who He is, but what He wants us to know. My theology is where we get down to the level where it impacts our life. My theology is what I believe the Bible teaches about any specific topic. So theology is the study of God. It answers the question, what does the Bible teach about any specific topic? My theology is what I believe the Bible teaches about any specific topic. So today, we want to study from Paul why it's important that my theology is right. Why is it so important that I study theology or I study about God? Now, before we get into the five reasons why it's important, let me talk to you for just a second about why sometimes it's difficult for us to study. Okay? First of all, these are the specific doctrines that we're actually going to deal with over the next several months. <clears throat> next month, we'll talk about the Bible, and I'll, I'll send out an email to everybody. There's actually a question for every one of these that we will answer relative to this doctrine in the Bible. For example, um, the question we're going to answer relative to the Bible is, what is truth? Pontius Pilate, when he was confronted with Jesus, asked Jesus the question. Jesus said, if you believe, I came so that people would believe in the truth because I am the truth. And Pilate said, what is truth? Well, God explains to us what truth is. Before you and I can believe anything, we have to have a standard of truth. There has to be something that we consider to be fact, and it's true. If you go into a court of law, two attorneys will argue the law, and the standard of truth by which they measure everything is the written law of the land. Well, as a believer, I need something that I consider truth, and therefore I measure everything by that truth. That's what we're going to talk about when we talk about the Bible. How do we know that is the truth? What does the Bible say about it? And so forth. So we've got all these doctrines. So first of all, a lot of times it's difficult for people to study theology because they look at that list and they think, oh my word, I will never be able to learn all that stuff. I'll never be able to understand all there is to know about all that stuff. So let's stop and address that. First of all, don't worry because you're right. You're never going to understand everything there is to know about all that stuff. I don't understand everything there is to know about all that stuff. It's interesting. There is a passage of Scripture, actually, in Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28, where the Bible gives the account of a great Bible teacher named Apollos. Apollos was teaching the Bible. He was a great orator. And people loved to listen to him teach. But the Bible says in that passage, he only understood the baptism of John. As he was teaching, 
Some of the believers who had been taught by Paul and understood the baptism of the Holy Spirit realized Apollos had never been taught that before. They actually pulled him aside and taught him about that baptism. And he learned something he did not know prior to being there, even though he was the teacher. You remember what Paul said? I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Paul even said, I don't know everything. So don't worry about trying to understand and know everything because we're never going to know everything. The second reason why sometimes it's difficult to get involved studying theology is because of a misunderstanding about what it is. We talked about that last week. Theology is not some high graduate level class that only uses 14 mile long words that nobody understands. Theology is the study of God. And in a minute you're going to see it can be understood even by a child. What makes the difference a lot of times is whether you're a believer and who and how it's being taught. So, And we'll look at that in just a minute, okay? The third thing that makes it difficult to study theology is the fact that sometimes it just ain't fun. It's work. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm like this. If I'm going to church, I would much rather sit in a class like this where the speaker is energetic, uses a lot of great stories to illustrate their point. They're very interesting. They're wonderful to listen to. And it's just hard to fall asleep. I mean, I would much rather do that. I will tell you that when I was going through Bible college and graduate school, most of my professors weren't like that. But I had a problem. I couldn't just not show up because they were monotone and boring. I was paying a lot of money to gain this knowledge. So I sat with toothpicks, spiritually speaking sometimes, under my eyelids, trying to stay awake so I could write down the important things. Because I'm paying all this money to gain this knowledge. If I don't attain a certain grade point level, I not only don't get the knowledge, I don't get the degree and I lose all that money. And i got to go back and do it all over again. So it became work. But you know why I did it? Because I wanted the knowledge. I wanted the degree. Here's the problem with studying theology. A lot of times we don't think we need it. I mean, I'm not getting a degree. It's not going to make my pay grade go up. It's, it's not going to, you know, make me be able to get a better job. And it's work. So why would I want to do it? When I realize, and in a minute we're going to look at these five things real quick. When you realize why the knowledge of God is so important in my individual life, then all of a sudden you know why it's important that I work at doing it, even though sometimes it's hard to do. Okay? So, understand, studying the Scripture and learning the Bible and allowing God to work in my life, and learn, it can be difficult sometimes. But I do it because it's the right thing, because I know it's important in my life and I want it. Does that mean that every time I listen to somebody teach the Bible, I'm going to get this unbelievable revelation that's just going to change my life every time I hear it? No. It may be that there's one thought that you hear today 
that right now seems completely irrelevant to you. In three weeks, you're going to be in a situation and something's going to come up and the Holy Spirit is going to dig down into your heart and dig down into the knowledge that's been put into your mind and He's going to go back into the subconscious computer database of your brain and He's going to pull it out and bring it back to your remembrance. We're actually going to talk about that ministry of the Holy Spirit when we talk about number five, the Holy Spirit. What does He do? The Bible says, Jesus said, He will bring to our remembrance all the things we have been taught. That is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in your life and mine as a believer. Here's the problem. He can't go pull something out that ain't never been put there. You can't get blood out of a turnip. And you can't get knowledge out of an empty brain. So what am I saying? As we study and we put the Scripture into our mind, it doesn't mean that every class we sit in is going to just transform my life. But we never waste our time when we are putting the Scripture into our mind. Okay? So, with that being said, let's talk about the five reasons why it is so important that we study theology. Number one, because it has to be learned. Unfortunately, when you and I got saved, we did not gain with regeneration a full mind of theological knowledge. It has to be learned. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 14, if you want to turn over there and look at that, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul is talking to Timothy and he says this, But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul reminded Timothy to hang on to the things he had learned. Three things I want to mention to you real quick about learning biblical knowledge. Number one, it can be understood. Have you ever maybe thought in your own mind or you've heard people say, well, I just don't read the Bible because I can't understand it. Or I just don't get a lot out of church because I can't understand it. Well, First of all, Paul mentions two things here. He said, Timothy, hang on to the stuff you've learned. First of all, knowing that you've been convinced of it. You understood it. You know it's the truth. Number two, knowing also from whom you learned it. So evidently, what was being taught and who was doing the teaching was very important to Timothy being able to learn. So it becomes very important for you and I that we find people who can accurately and effectively teach the truth of the Scripture. And by the way, there are a lot of resources. Um, One of the questions that I have put into the small group study application of this lesson is, what resources do you personally use to help you learn the Bible? There are things you can use online. There are Bible study material that you can buy and use. Our, um, our small group Bible studies, a lot of them use resources 
to help them learn. There are hundreds of resources that you can use. It's not just sitting in our class or going to church. There are lots of ways to learn the Bible. So it can be understood. Notice what Paul said to Timothy. He said, um, look at verse number 15. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scripture. From the time, literally the word means from the time you were a small child. So the Bible can be understood. Moses, when he got the law from God in Deuteronomy, was told by God that you're to teach the children of Israel to teach the Scripture to your children. In your home, when you sit down, when you rise up, when you walk in the way, put it over the doorpost of the house, put it on the frontlets of your eyes, teach it to your children. So, Jesus, remember when he was teaching and the children started to try and get close to him to hear him? And the disciples said, keep those children away. And Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. So, here's the deal. If you don't have a source to learn the Bible that you can understand, then look out another source. Find some place or someone that can teach you the Bible so you understand it and you can use it consistently. And, and I'm not referring about class or church service. I'm talking about something you can use during the week to help you when you're by yourself. Find a There are hundreds of good devotional books, all kinds of things that will help you to understand. So, number one, it can be understood. Number two, it takes teachers. That's why in Ephesians 4, the Bible says he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? To prepare and teach the body of Christ. So we need teachers. And thank the Lord that God gives to the body of Christ people with the spiritual gift of teaching. Then number three... We also need the Holy Spirit. This is very important. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, real fast. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want you to look with me at verse number 9. The Bible cannot be studied and understood like a textbook in a university. Because it's not a human book. It's a supernatural book. And so it has to be interpreted by the author. So if you look with me. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Notice what Paul says here. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. That's how we learn it. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. So already the Bible says the Holy Spirit reveals spiritual truth to us. The Holy Spirit is the way we understand what God is trying to teach us. Verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Here he contrasts the teaching of human wisdom with spiritual wisdom, and it's different. That's why you will have people 
who will not believe the Bible, but they will believe, say, for example, the theory of evolution. Now, here's what they say. If you believe the Bible, if you believe by faith that some supreme being created everything, then you're just ignorant. You're not educated like me. I'm educated. I got 14 PhDs, two THDs, and a bunch of MMHDs. Whatever that is. And so in my vast human wisdom, it makes far more sense to believe that somewhere billions of years ago, some amoeba burped and gas came out into the world and monkeys erupted and here we are. That definitely sounds more intelligent. The truth of the matter is, in human wisdom, and, and I'm being simplistic, but in human wisdom, there is a whole scientific process they follow to say that that is probably where we came from. And many of you, when you were going through school, actually were taught it. So you know what they say. I mean, it, it's not stupid. I mean, they've got their reasons. And it sounds very intelligent. The truth of the matter is that's the difference in human wisdom and spiritual wisdom. And Paul says, when we were taught, we do not teach, nor were we taught by human wisdom. We were taught by spiritual wisdom through the Scripture as it was administered by the Holy Spirit to my life. The truth of the matter is, whether you believe in evolution or you believe in creation, you believe whatever you believe by faith. Because none of us were there. None of us were there. So you have to believe it by faith. And the bottom line is, because I'm a believer and I have the Holy Spirit in me, this makes sense. Somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, this does not make sense. How do you know that? Because that's exactly what Paul said. Look at verse 14. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. So, don't be shocked if you're trying to debate spiritual things with an unregenerate or an unsaved person or an unbeliever. Because they, number one, they think this is foolishness. Number two, they can't understand it. And they're never going to understand it. You and I wouldn't understand it without the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that, that's very, very important when you start to talk about the fact that theology or the knowledge of God is learned. It has to be taught properly, and it takes the Holy Spirit. Because without Him, none of it makes sense. Okay? So, first of all, and maybe the most important, why is it so important that we study theology? Because it has to be learned. We don't, we're not born with it. Number two, real quick. It's a part of the spiritual maturity process. Back to Ephesians chapter 4. Look with me at verse number 12. All these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers were given to prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ can be built up until we all reach, and here's kind of the goal of our growth. Till we reach unity in the faith and unity in the knowledge of God. Why? So that we can attain to the whole measure of Christ. What is that called? Until we reach the unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become, in the NIV, what's the next word? Mature. Mature. 
How does Jesus describe salvation to Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I tell you, you must be born again. God relates spiritual life to a birth. And we become baby Christians. Peter said we're to desire the sincere milk of the Word so we can grow thereby. Peter says in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul, over and over again, was constantly talking to the believers about the problem of their spiritual immaturity. He tells them in 1 Corinthians 3, I wish I could write unto you, brethren, about these things, but I can't because you are babies in Christ. Because there is among you bickering and fighting and division. Are you not babies and act like unsaved people? And the reason you act that way is you are spiritually immature. You're still babies. Now, babies are babies. And babies naturally act like babies. You know, there's a reason why we have termed the, um, the period of time in a child's life between one and a half and three as the terrible twos. There's a reason for that. They are learning life has a lot of stuff. And I want to figure out what the stuff is. They're also figuring out I'm an individual. I can want things. And if I don't get it, I'm learning and figuring out how to get it when I don't get it. Screaming just seems to be the most logical first choice. But as parents, when you get married and you start having children, and some of you do, when you start, you're going to realize as a parent when that happens, you're going to start thinking something is wrong with my child. Oh, my word. I look at all these other kids. And they come in their little nice outfits to church. And they never make a peep. That's because they've been threatened within an inch of their life if they do. What is wrong with my... There's nothing wrong. They're two-year-olds. That's how two-year-olds act. Now, they have to be taught how to act the right way. And there's a right way to do that. But they're two-year-olds. However, 32-year-olds that act the same way aren't cute. There is no such thing as the terrible 32s. Why, why is that not funny anymore? Because between 2 and 32, I've got 30 years to grow up. Your parents ever told you when you were younger, they asked you to do something and like me, you didn't do it. You were, I didn't understand this word back then, I do now, irresponsible. And they would say, when are you ever going to grow up? What they meant was, when are you ever going to become responsible and you do what I ask you to do? The truth is, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Paul actually uses the same term, verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him. Literally, he's talking about spiritual maturity. When am I going to grow up as a believer? You've been saved for 30 years. You're still acting like you just got saved last week and you don't know anything about how a Christian's supposed to act. By now, Hebrews 5 talks about it, by now I ought to be able to teach you much harder things to learn. But I'm having to go back and teach you all the simple things again. 
Because you've never learned. Okay? So, it's important that we learn theology because it's a vital part of the spiritual maturity process, our knowledge of God. And it's important. Number three, it's a vital function of the body of Christ. Um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, it talks about the body building itself up, the body growing. And then it says in verse number of 16, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. Now look at the last phrase. As each part does its work. When we talk about the body of Christ, we're talking about us. A group of believers. And we all have spiritual gifts. We all have abilities. And God has put us in the body where he wants us. Um, There is the body of Christ as a whole, which is all believers. And then there's a local body, which is what we are. It's a local gathering of believers. That's what we are. We have a function. We're to be a light to the world. We're to be an encouragement. We're to make an impact on our community. Uh, On May 31st, we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff. And I want you to bring your ideas because we need to start doing that. We need to reach young adults that don't know Christ. We need to share the gospel with them. We need for them to know what we know about what Jesus can do for their life. All of that takes every member of the body using their gifts the way God intended for them to use them. Does everybody have the same gift? Yes or no? No. We're all different. When I was managing a sales team, we would have at any given time between 9 and 12 salespeople. There were two things that I really disliked about my job. Number one, I hated firing people. That's probably the worst thing about my, I hated having to fire people. As a matter of fact, I almost, to my own detriment, would wait too long just because I didn't want to get rid of people. Number two, on the flip side of that, and this may be part of the reason why I hated firing them, I hated hiring them. I hated going through all the politics and all the red tape you had to go through to make sure you hired the right one and that they knew what they were talking about and they knew how to do the job. And then the worst part about hiring was then you got to teach them what to do. you got to train them. And, you know, until that new member learned how to do their job on their own and could actually contribute to the ultimate district number, which was my number, I got paid on that number. So if I got nine people and one of them ain't contributing, I'm losing money. I need you to learn like yesterday and be a superstar. Because I got eight kids. I need to make money. But that training process was necessary. However, when they've been there for a year and they still had learned, now all of a sudden it's a problem because the whole body is suffering. And part of the reason they don't learn is because they don't apply themselves to knowledge. What is my spiritual gift? How do I use it? Where can I use it? Do I have to be prodded and told to use it? Or am I mature enough to just engage? These are all parts and and actually levels of spiritual growth. And the bottom line is within the body, we have people at every level, don't we? Paul talked about helping the weaker brothers. Those who weren't spiritually as mature as we were. It's not our job to criticize. It's our job to help. And to love and to train. That's why Paul says here, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up together. 
And then the body works the way it's supposed to. So it's important that we learn the knowledge of God because it makes us more effective within the body. And when I don't learn, I'm not effective, and it hurts the whole body. So it becomes important for me to do that. Then, next, I've got to hurt. It's necessary for effective service. I think that's pretty obvious. In Ephesians 4, he gave all these people to train us so we're prepared for service. Okay, We're not going to spend any time on that because we actually have just talked about that. Uh, and so we know what that is. By the way, let me give you a passage. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, talks about how we become mature. And in that passage, that's where the Bible says by, we, we mature in our Christian life by reason of use from the things that we've learned. That's preparation. Okay? So as I learn knowledge, I apply it in my life and I use it. I'm going to make mistakes. But the more I use it, the more I learn, and so the use of the knowledge is just as important as gaining the knowledge. It's all part of the maturity process. Then, finally, and we'll stop here, it's critical to spiritual stability. I want you to look with me real quick, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of, of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. <clears throat> a couple of things real quick I want you to see. If I don't learn theology, if I don't study God, and I don't learn about God and who He is, and like Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, that I'm convinced of what I've learned, that it is the truth, that I am susceptible to any theological idea that comes down the pipe. It's interesting. I was talking to one of the guys from the 9 o'clock class, and we talked about this. And I, I actually, I'd asked him the question, have you ever known anybody who professed to be a Christian at some point and they no longer are a Christian, maybe don't even believe in God anymore? I've known several people, not that there's a correlation, but I've known several people that through their teenage years, were very active in church and active in their youth group and very active in ministry, and they went off to a state university somewhere who taught them that there was no God, and they were really smart, and they come out of state university questioning whether the Bible is real, whether God is real. So it can happen. Well, this guy was telling me there was actually um, someone that he was talking to that he knew from another town somewhere, that was involved in uh, Wicca. It's the good witch, bad witch kind of stuff. And this person used to be, is a woman, she used to be a Southern Baptist. And the reason she left Southern Baptist, he was telling me, to go into to Wiccan was because that the women's value, she thought, in the Southern Baptist church was devalued. So she went into Wiccan where the women's position is actually valued higher than the men. And he said, he was talking to a friend of his the other day who said that this same person is now a Mormon. Which, if you've got levels of women's value, you know, the misconception about being a Christian will cause you to think that the woman is some kind of a slave to the man. That's a misconception. That's not the Bible. Wiccan elevates you. You know what Mormons do to women? <laughs> Buddy, you are in the dungeon. Man, you are a baby maker. One man, 14,000 wives. What, what, he said, how in the world? If that was her reasoning, why in the world did she do that? 
Come to find out, she met a guy. Fell in love with him. He was a Mormon. So that's where, you know what, she's, she's being blown about by everything that comes along because she doesn't know what she believes. Right is right and wrong is wrong. There are absolutes. It's called the Bible. It is so important that you and I know God. And we know why we believe what we believe. Because it is critical to our spiritual stability. Lest we be swept into believing something that will destroy our life. And as we close, I want you to notice something that Paul says. There are actually people who are proactively seeking and scheming, he says, to teach something contrary to what God teaches. And if you'll notice it in verse 15, or verse 14, he says, You'll be blown about by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Satan has got his preachers. And they're scattered all over the world. If I don't know what I believe and I'm not convinced that the Bible is the truth and I know it's the truth because it's been used in my life and the Holy Spirit has made it real to me and I'm convinced of it, then I can be susceptible to anything that comes along. So, is it important for us to study theology even though sometimes it's work? Absolutely. If I don't, if I don't apply myself I can hurt myself far more than if I never got that master's degree. This can destroy my life if I don't know it. So, next week, we'll start digging into the actual topics. Why do we believe the Bible is the truth? We're going to talk about that so that we understand it, okay? Father, thank you for your word. Continue to use it to strengthen us so that we can be a light in this world for our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go ahead and... uh, Split up into our small groups. We've got 10, 15 minutes. And uh, don't forget about our 20-somethings group over here. And I'll be over there in just a second.